Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jason Morton, and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. We praise you, we worship you, we adore you. You hold the heavens in your hand. All stars rejoice in your glory. You come in the sunrise and the song of morn and bless the splendor of the noonday. The stars in their courses magnify you, day and night tell of your glory. Your peace blows over the earth and the breath of your mouth fills all space. Your voice comes in the thunder of the storm and in the song of the wind whispers of your majesty. You satisfy all things with your abundance and our hearts bow at your presence. Accept us, your children, eternal Father, and hearken to our prayer. Bend over us, eternal love, and bless us. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? The prophet asks, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before a God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give even my firstborn for my transgression and the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Let us worship God. God desires to forgive us and restore us in the power of his divine mercy and love. Let us come together to answer God's invitation by praying our confession together. Merciful God, you pardon all truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart nor have we loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion, 
cleanse us from our sin, create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. By the grace of God, we are restored to the joy of God's salvation and God's spirit is present with us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. God's forgiven and restored people, let us affirm our faith through the reciting of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. <clears throat> Pardon me. It is good to have you here this morning, and we're so grateful to be greeted by such a beautiful day. Uh, beautiful day for most college football fans. Um, 
Maybe this is the time for you Florida State people to come and join the Michigan side of things. But anyway, we won't go there. So uh, we are so thankful that uh, we get to be together as the family of God and to find here in the midst of this communion the spirit of God and the presence of Christ. We hope that you, especially if you're visiting with us today, that you'll find this to be a place of welcome and we encourage you to uh, find out all the many ways by which you can be a part of our life by looking at the bulletin, of course, and then there's the Connect magazine, which is available on the back of the sanctuary, and also our Welcome Center is back there, and we would be glad to answer any questions you might have and find out how it is that you might become a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. We invite you to turn to pages eight and nine of your bulletin. You'll find there some very pertinent and timely information about important things that are going on in our life, including the blood uh, mobile, which is here right now and uh, will be available for you in uh, the parking lot if you would like to give that very precious gift. We're thankful for our good friends at Suncoast who are making that available for us today. We have uh, our great Sunday classes and we would love to have you come and share in those great experiences wherein you can grow in your faith and reflect together and wonder about how it is that God is at work in your life and at work in the world. We have a great class on Wednesday evening, The Hero Effect, on page nine there. And uh, I had a chance to slip in on that on, uh, on Wednesday night, and really great stuff uh, about how it is that we can learn from those who uh, lived heroically in one form or fashion. So we invite you to come and, and take a look and, and experience a great discussion around uh, that important theme. And then our Family Promise Week is coming up uh, very quickly, and we would love to have you help us out. You'll notice Family Promise people will be wearing their T-shirts, and we'll be glad that you will be here uh, out underneath the tree to receive uh, those uh, folks who would like to find out about how they can uh, help out. Family Promise is basically we turn the campus over to uh, house three, two or three families from uh, this area and we're grateful that we can do that and we hope that maybe you might want to provide a meal or you might want to spend an evening or whatever it might be but uh, feel free to go over and ask questions about that very important ministry. We are uh, saying goodbye today to Joe Davis uh, who uh, was our uh, lead teacher over in the garden for close to four years and uh, Joe as many of you know is starting a new church uh, and we're supporting him in doing that uh, they're going to begin worshiping in a couple weeks uh, down at McCurdy's Comedy Theater uh, on Sunday mornings at 10.30. But uh, we're so grateful for Joe's ministry here, and they're going to be celebrating that in the garden even right now and uh, blessing him on his way. So if you bump into him, uh, please let him know how much you're grateful for his, his leadership there. Uh, you'll note that uh, Carol Bemke passed away this week uh, in your bulletin, a longtime member of our church. Uh, and her service was actually this past Friday, and the services for uh, Bob White will be this Saturday at 11 a.m. Let us continue our worship.
to invite our newest members of the church to come forward and take your place here in the front. <clears throat> A little off balance, but that's okay. <laughs> We're not sliding you over there. Uh, <laughs> We're delighted to have these good folks before us. They have been a part of our more recent new members classes and they are here because they have uh, made the decision to uh, become a part of our life and mission here at Church of the Palms. And uh, I would love to introduce them by name. And when I do so, if you would just raise your hand and uh, let us know that's who you are. Tim and Kathy Bannister and uh, Laurel Bur Burkhart could not be here today, but Polly Flansburg, excellent. Dan and Beth Hill, uh, Cynthia Smith, and Marcia Nikolai, and Jean Powell, excellent. Would you welcome them into our life here? <laughs> okay, you can turn and face me. We uh, know that you know uh, what our mission here is at Church of the Palms, to love God and love neighbor, and to do all that we can to be a loving family to all of God's people as we seek to become the most loving place in town. And we know that you know that uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is the center of our life, and it is by our answering these questions that we affirm that as we become a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. So I'd like to ask you these questions of membership and uh, as you seek to become a part of our fellowship. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you trust in him? Yes. Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word and to show his love? Yes. And will you give of yourself in every way, be a faithful member of our congregation and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? We are grateful that you have affirmed uh, those essential parts of who we are as uh, members of Church of the Palms. And we're glad that uh, by doing so, that you become a part of our life and mission, that uh, you truly will come to know this to be an extension of your own family, and that you will come to know that in this family, we will seek to do whatever we can to support one another, to walk with one another, to encourage each other, and together to serve God in all the ways that perhaps God has gifted us to do. So we're so thankful that you are a part of us and pray now that they would feel that sense of our love and grace in the midst of our fellowship. So to that end, let us pray. 
Lord, we thank you for your blessing in our life. We thank you that you have been stirring in the lives of these people such they, that they have been a part of our life here at Church of the Palms for weeks, months, perhaps even years, and are now here at this point in time where they are uh, ready to become a part of this official mission of our church to love God and love neighbor. Lord, we are thankful that we have the church. We're grateful that in this uh, very challenging world in which we live, that we can count on the fact that there is this great body of Christ that dwells in the midst of the community, in the midst of the city. We think of this especially in light of curbside bombs and destructive political rhetoric. We think of this in regards to all the challenges that our world faces and all the fears that we might even have about the future. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can come to this sanctuary and to know that you dwell here and to know that really you dwell in your world. And we're grateful, Lord, that you give us a mission to, to make good things happen in this world, to be witnesses of light in the midst of whatever darknesses we may find. And we're thankful, oh Lord, that you uh, allow us to be a place where people are fed and where people are counseled and where people are cared for and their children are cared for. We're grateful, oh Lord, that we have the chance to tutor children. We have a chance to shine light in all of our relationships in this community and throughout the world. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that as you have brought these people together here today, that they may truly find their place in which they can express their own gifts, in which they can be truly beacons of light in this world, and that we may be encouraged to know that even though the headlines may say one thing, that when we come to the church of Jesus Christ, we know that you are ultimately through your love and control of this world. So we pray your blessing upon us all as the family of God, as the body of Christ, that we may know in the midst of our life together that you are dwelling within us, that you are blessing us, and that you seek for us to be a blessing to others. All this we pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome to the church. Yes. As I prayed, I made mention of so much of what is happening here at Church of the Palms, all the many ways by which we seek to be this light in a world that can be sometimes very scary. Very real things, we seek to love God and love our neighbor in very real ways. As I mentioned, things like the tutoring program and our food pantry and our preschool counseling center, all these many concrete ways in which we are seeking to really be God with skin on for the world. These are things to be mindful of when you present your offerings, that you are, you are really doing, thing, you are doing something that's changing the world and really changing lives uh, one person at a time. And we hope that you will take great encouragement through that as you present your tithes and offerings this morning. Let us continue our worship.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and generous and loving God, we give you thanks for your love that surrounds us at all times. Now we pray that you'll accept these ourselves and our offerings as a token of our love and gratitude and commitment to you and the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated as Carol and our children come forward. Guys, come on up. <laughs> Wants to put this on. Anybody? <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. <clears throat> so I have to ask you something. When you guys do something for the first time, um, it's kind of scary, right? Like maybe the first time you started school, or think about when you got on a bike the first time or went swimming. You didn't just jump in, did you? You had your parents right beside you, you know, kind of giving you a little push or holding you, giving you the confidence that you needed to get along, right? So I brought a blindfold today. And does anyone want to put it on? Okay. All right. Okay. Camille, can you see? No. <laughs> How would you feel if I told you to go back into the pew and get your, um, go sit down with your parents? No, no. <laughs> that means no. How about once you just go up to kids worship? You know the way, right? No. Uh, how, how would you feel if I walked right beside you and guided you? You would, you would do that? You know that I would be right by you. Trust me, don't you? <laughs> you can take it off. <laughs> well, this morning in church, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy that was way back in the beginning of God's story in the book of Genesis, and his name was Abram. And um, so God told Abram, thank you, to do something that was kind of scary. You know, he had to do it for the first time. Anyway, so God told Abram, he said, Leave your country, leave your people and your family, and go to a new land. Okay? Just like that. Abram's kind of an old guy. He was like 75. And he said, God said, I'll be with you. You just, well, he probably, <laughs> he was probably ready to retire. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so he decided that he would trust God. So he said, okay, we'll do this. So he and his wife, Sarah, went on their journey, and he trusted and listened to God, even though he didn't know where he was going. So after many years of God listening, to, of Abram listening to God, he finally, God, God, God uh, Abram was a faithful man to God, and God spoke to Abram, and he said, he also told him, you are going to have as many descendants, many, many descendants. That's like having a really big family. So it had been a long, long time, and Abram had been praying and listening to God, and he finally said to God, how am I supposed to have a big family and lots of descendants if I don't have any children? I think he was, at, I think he was like 99 years old at this point, okay? And God said to him, you're going to have as many people in your family 
as there are stars in the sky. And Abram trusted him, and he listened. So Abraham built an altar to God, and he prayed, and he waited, and pretty soon his wife Sarah became pregnant. She was 90 years old. They had a baby, and they named him Isaac. And God was so pleased with Abram that he made a promise that Abram was going to be a father to many nations. And then he changed his name to Abraham. So just like being blindfolded and not really feeling comfortable when we have someone with us to trust, we feel better. Just like Abram, he needed to trust. And he trusted and listened to God with his journey through his life all those years. And he had direction. So just like us, we too can listen to God on our life's journey. Let's pray. Dear God, help us to put our trust in you to do hard things and to follow your path in life. We know that you, are, you keep your promises. Thank you for walking through life's right beside us. Amen.
may be seated. Well, as we just heard, our next story in this continuing story of God that we began just last week uh, finds, we find in Genesis chapter 15, verses one through six. Hear the word of God. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then Abram said to him, then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O oh God of one so long ago who wondered what the future might be. O oh God who speaks to us in the nighttime and in the sunrise and in the sunset. O oh God who walks alongside of us even when we cannot see ourselves. This awesome God, we pray that you will by your Holy Spirit inhabit these words to come, that they may point to the word just read and ultimately to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. One of the benefits of living in this day and age is the amount of resource available to us, perhaps primarily through the internet, to help us fill out our family tree. Many of you have done this, perhaps some of you have had a family member do it for you, but create this exponentially expanding tree of, of lines and boxes depicting your ancestors and descendants. And there in the midst of this expanding tree are, is you, this little box with your name, and from your little box come these lines that link you to your parents, to your siblings, to your spouse, and to your children. Over the past couple of years, I've put together the McConnell family tree. It's a bit sketchy in every sense of that term. Sketchy most of all because there's so little I know about each box and line. 
Most of it's just names and birthplaces with little lines connecting them. These lines, of course, are relationships between all these people in my tree. To, to think, though, what each box has to tell us, what each line between the boxes has to tell us. So-and-so had a son, and the son took a wife, and the two had three children. Just that sentence, just those few little boxes and a couple of lines contain enough stories to fill an entire library. I think of this when I think of a letter that we found buried deep down in the McConnell papers. It is a letter between two boxes inside my tree, a letter from my mother to her father, my grandfather, when she was in college. My mother was barely 21 years old, and she still had more than a year of college to complete, but she was in love. It had been a whirlwind romance, just a few months long, but, but they were madly in love, and they planned to get married. She would leave school and move to Boston after the wedding. World War II was going strong. The young man for whom she had fallen was a seminarian preparing to enter first the Navy chaplaincy and then the Presbyterian ministry. The the letter she was writing to my grandfather was in response to the letter she evidently had received from him listing all the reasons why she should not marry my father. It was a pretty long list. My grandfather was a proud Scotsman. Campbell was the clan name. He was a Methodist. He was a successful businessman. And he had high hopes for his one and only daughter, the apple of his eye. So the list was long. She was too young to do this. She had not finished school and probably wouldn't graduate if she got married. She'll be poor the rest of her life. She'll be a Presbyterian, for God's sake. And worst of all, she'll be a McConnell. And McConnell is just a different way of saying McDonald and there ain't nobody that Campbell's despise more than McDonald's. I will explain that a whole nother time. And so the letter she writes to her father is a letter to explain to him how much she loves him and what a great father he is to her. And then to explain how much she also loved this young seminarian and how she knew that he was the one, and how she knew that he would take care of her, and that they would be happy, and that all would be well. I never had the chance to ask my grandfather about that moment in his life. He died when I was 12. But I can only imagine all the feeling pulsing through his heart and the doubts that filled his head. What, pray tell, would happen to his little girl? What would life be for her? In that moment, my grandfather had no idea what the family tree would bring, what it would branch into from that very moment. Quite to his surprise, I'm sure, the two lovebirds did make a go of it, birthed and raised four sons, established a relatively healthy home, never made a lot of money, but never wanted for anything important, maintained a happy marriage until my mother's early death. And wouldn't you know that my grandfather came to learn that there's even such a thing as a decent Presbyterian McDonald's. <laughs> That's one story on the line between two boxes, between two leaves. Imagine the stories 
inside your family tree, inside all those little boxes and lines. The joy, the triumph, the pain, the loss, the worry, the doubts, the love, the hurt. It's all inside those little boxes and lines, inside those little branches and leaves. We have such an effect upon each other. Imagine then taking an eraser to your family tree and rubbing clean your little box. And, and with your box, all the lines, of course, connecting your box to all the other boxes, the lines connecting you to your parents and to your siblings and to your descendants. Actually, there wouldn't be any descendants, right, if your little box had never been there. Think how different the tree would be if you never got drawn into it. Think how different the McConnell tree would be if somehow my grandfather had convinced my mother that he was right. Of course, the world would be better, but it would be different. Some of us might be tempted to humbly think that there wouldn't be much a difference, much of a difference if we were not here. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because, of course, it's not just the family tree of which we are a part, but it is also the great human tree. Our, our little box of, and lines connect to thousands of other boxes of family and friends and co-workers and neighbors and acquaintances and even strangers. We are affecting hundreds of people just about every day by being here, by being a leaf on the tree. Just by our random inter interaction with the human race, we are affecting the world. There is simply no way to overstate the case that your presence in this world is life-changing to thousands of people by virtue of these lines that stem from your little box, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. When I was in high school, I took German. It was the longest year of my life. I'm not a language person, so German was not my favorite class of the day, but I am so glad I took German because in about week three of my semester in German, my German teacher asked me to stay after class. It was seldom a good thing whenever the teacher asked me to stay after class. So I stayed after class though, and I'm so glad I did because that was when my German teacher asked me if I had a brother named Trez. Trez is not a common name, actually it's his nickname, and so I said, yes, I have a brother named Trez, and, and with my yes came tears to her eyes, and when she could finally compose herself to talk, she told me the story, said she, there was a time when I was really struggling with lots of things and feeling like life was a bit too crazy and scary and big, and I was working at the local drugstore, and it was just, I think, around closing time when a young man came into the store to buy some deodorant, and he came to the counter and saw the look on my face, which likely prompted him to ask, how are you, and for some reason I told him the truth. And this young 22-year-old man stood and listened to me tell my tale of woe for what seemed the better part of a half hour. He just listened and told me at the end of it that he would pray for me and that he believed that somehow God would make everything all right. And somehow in that moment I believed him. And I asked him his name and he told me his name was Trez. 
hard to forget a name, Trez. Trez McConnell, I'll never forget that name, she said, because I think your brother saved my life that night. And had I not taken German, I would never have known that story, and neither would my brother. You cannot overstate the case that your presence in this world, your leaf on the tree, your box and all its lines is life-changing to thousands. It gets me to thinking of a little boy named Scotty. Scotty was a six-year-old boy in my childhood church. He was about five years younger than me. He had two parents, a brother and a sister, and I remember the day as if it were yesterday when Scotty's parents came to my home to tell my parents that their little Scotty had cancer. And they were devastated with this news and yet there was treatment for him and they were hoping for the best. And so I got to watch my parents, his parents, and a bunch of good-hearted church people do their best to take care of little Scotty through his illness with every hope that he would live a long, long, long life. I saw people cook and deliver meals. I saw people visit the hospital. I saw people pray. I saw people hug and cry and laugh and do their very best to take care of this hurting family, all with the hope that Scotty would live a long, long life. But he didn't. Within a couple of years, little Scotty succumbed to illness and breathed his last in his mother's arms. Now my little 11-year-old brain could make very little sense of why little boys die. In fact, my 58-year-old brain can't make much sense of that either. But the fact that 47 years later, I'm telling you this story about a little boy and his short life and a family that loved him every day of it and a congregation that brought casseroles and cards and hugs and tears means that somehow through all that, an indelible impression was made upon me and all from the likes of a six-year-old. My life would be different if Scotty hadn't been in it. Our presence in this world, our little leaf on the tree, our box and its lines are life-changing. And so somewhere at the beginning of your tree and mine is this old man and this old woman, Abram and Sarai, soon to become Abraham and Sarah, two little boxes who are wondering if this is really all there is, wondering how will the family tree carry on. They're, they're now up in years and Sarah is beyond childbearing capacity and it doesn't look good that they're really going to make their little mark on the family tree. And yet they're working on this deep promise inside of them that God has them there in Canaan for something much larger than themselves. That, that somehow there is going to be this human tree that extends and that somehow God will make of them a great people. And so as the story goes, the good Lord brings Abram out of his tent and stands him under a star-filled sky and tells Abram to look into the sky and count the stars. And Abram says, I, I can't count them, there are too many. And God says, and and so shall your descendants be. And what does Abram do? Abram believes him, believes that somehow, some way, the good Lord's going to do something with these amazing 90-year-old boxes. 
And, and now the miracle in the story is not only that Abraham and Sarah have a baby, they have a baby Isaac, but that somehow they were able to believe at the beginning of it all that God would let them have a part to play in this great human family, that, that God would alter the world through their presence, that by simply being who they were and trusting in the promise of God, living within the covenant of God, that God would alter the world through their little box. Don't you wonder that about yourself, whether you are nine or 90, whether you've got 10 kids or no kids, whether you've got 1,500 Facebook friends or three, don't you wonder what difference you're really making. Some people think that you gotta have your, your name splashed across the front page or hanging on some building somewhere or unless you have some kind of life and death profession or unless you're elected to some high office, well then you're really not really making much of a difference. And if you don't think you're making much of a difference, well then you might not think that this great story of God really matters. But you see, that's the point. The point of the story, the point of Abram's story, the point of Sarai's story is to hear this voice of God that says, so shall your descendants be, but follows you in this great wonderful life is this infinitesimal succession of descendants by birth and by every encounter that comes your way. We have this profound opportunity to make an indelible and infinitesimal impression for good. The Bible is this wonderful story of person after person seeking to live in covenant with God and trusting that somehow God will use their little box to affect this great human family and trusting that even if we don't see it happening, even if we wonder if any good can come out of my life, somehow God is still shaping our lives and shaping the world through the likes of us. So shall your descendants be. So shall every relationship you have be. Every box matters. It matters who you are, what you do, and what you say. So I count it only grace that allowed me to stumble a while ago upon an old, old man who for most of his life had been an educator, a high school teacher, and later a principal. By God's good grace, I had been a student in his school. By God's good grace, I was given the chance to know the man and be mentored by him. By God's good grace, I was led to learn from him what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be a Christian, and what it meant to be a leader. 30 years after high school, there I am now before him face to face. And I say to him what I should have said long before. I say, you know, you need to know something. You need to know that you made a huge difference in my life. And I owe so much to you. Would that I had had a camera to take the expression on his face. Wonder surprise, bewilderment, almost that he wasn't believing what I was saying. So shall your descendants be. Every little box matters. 
every single one of us stems into the thousands and thousands of lives that come our way. God is making of us an irreplaceable part of the tree in ways we least expect and in ways we'll never know. But to believe it, to trust it, is to be overwhelmed with a sky full of stars. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.